the Financial Times in London. I'm John Murray Brown and this is FT News. President Donald Trump has touted his summit earlier this month with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un as so great a breakthrough that Pyongyang is no longer a nuclear threat to the US. Yet he deems Iran, which does not have nuclear weapons, a regime of great terror and recently tore up a multi-party nuclear agreement with Tehran that took years to negotiate. So Katrina Manson, our US foreign policy and defence correspondent, decided to take a look at the Trump administration's approaches to the two countries and their chances of success. And she's on the line with me now to discuss this. Katrina, first, to set things in context, tell us how different are the threats to the US from North Korea and Iran? Well, I think, as you said, I mean, North Korea presents a fundamentally nuclear threat and has made threats towards the US. It has a nuclear arsenal. We know that scientists estimate Pyongyang has dozens of nuclear warheads and has recently spent a huge amount of effort developing long-range ballistic missiles that it claims could now reach US soil. Whether it could or couldn't, we certainly know that the US is very worried about that theoretical potential. And also, of course, much of its nuclear program remains shrouded in secrecy. So North Korea certainly presents a very significant nuclear threat. Iran doesn't have nuclear weapons. It's capped its enrichment facilities and it accepts international inspections. So it's a much more contained threat. And of course, up until Mr. Trump ripped up this historic nuclear accord, there was also a sense that Iran wasn't going to even think about enrichment. And of course, Iran and Europeans and the other signatories to the deal say they will continue to honour that deal. Even Iran's ballistic missiles, they have a maximum range of something like 2,000 kilometres. So they're only in the sort of medium-intermediate range. They're not the intercontinental range that would threaten the US. So what reasons did Mr Trump give for tearing up the Iran deal negotiated by his predecessor Barack Obama and European allies? Well, Mr Trump hated this deal really from the off. In the campaign, he called it the worst deal ever. He's constantly promised to get rid of it, basically because he says it's not a very good deal and he could have negotiated a much better one. Now, it's worth remembering that this deal took absolutely years to negotiate. It started off in secret. It did involve compromises, but the people who negotiated said they were necessary compromises in order to get a binding deal. He doesn't like it because he thinks eventually Iran could attain nuclear weapons. He says that ultimately there are so-called sunset provisions that mean some of the limitations run out. But he also wanted to tackle things that the deal never even tried to limit, such as its ballistic missile programme and the so-called regional threat posed by Iran. The US sees Iran as a much broader regional challenge because, of course, it has active links, sometimes military links, in Yemen, in Lebanon, in Syria. It's supporting the Assad regime. It has political links in Iraq. And so the US feels much more threatened by Iran's regional posture. And did he offer any concessions or inducements to persuade Iran to agree to his terms? Well, he hasn't really made an offer. He's simply withdrawn from the deal and sort of put Iran in the bad box. 
what has subsequently happened is his Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, has listed all the things that they find egregious about Iran. It's a 12-point list. People who've looked at it say it would be sort of tantamount to regime change if ever they were to meet the demands posed by the list. But there is an argument that says what they're really trying to do is something of a more-for-more strategy, so that if Iran ever could deliver on this very stringent list, the US would also relieve sanctions. That is something of the dangled promise. But since Iran and the US are not making overtures towards each other, it doesn't really look like this is a true prospect of a concession at the moment. So turning to North Korea, what concessions has the president offered in that instance? Well, Mr Trump's critics say the main concession he's made is simply meeting Mr Kim. This has been a desire of North Korean leaders for generations to meet with a US president and everyone has scrupulously avoided giving any sense of legitimacy to the regime in Pyongyang. And Mr Trump, of course, has embraced it with extreme gusto and so has Mr Kim. There's an extraordinary 42-minute video that has been released in North Korea showing really the full gamut of good relations in a real show of sort of brotherly affection and Mr Trump has made sure to say extremely positive things about Mr Kim. Of course, this is in the aim of a breakthrough. That's very much how Mr Trump argues it and there is a sense that if North Korea could be changed, it could change in a wholesale way. So really from foe to friend in a way that the Trump administration doesn't think is ever going to be possible with Iran, but sees a possible slight glimmer that North Korea might take the bait and really reorientate its entire foreign policy to make it US friendly. And of course, as part of that, dismantle its nuclear programme. But he has gone one step further. I mean, the summit declaration is infamously thin on detail and commitment. But Mr. Trump went on to say that he would cancel joint military exercises that take place with South Korea and said he wouldn't let those go ahead while they were negotiating in good faith. Again, his critics thought this was a concession too far and really gave away a lot of the US negotiating position in exchange for not very much from North Korea. However, the North Koreans have done quite a few unilateral offers. They've given back the US hostages. They've stopped testing for months now. They've begun to disassemble some of their facilities. So it's not as if North Korea has offered nothing. It's just that North Korea offered that in the run-up to the summit. And Mr Trump's supporters say stopping war games really isn't a big deal. They can start again at any point. It's just the sign of goodwill that's very necessary. The real crux, the key concession that everyone needs to look for is any kind of lightening up on sanctions. And so the Trump administration is saying they are absolutely committed to maximum pressure and that this might be something that could be offered in step-by-step stages as things progress. Of course, to some extent, the Trump administration no longer controls that because China has already talked about lightning sanctions. And China, of course, has by far the overwhelming proportion of trade and investment with North Korea. So the key concession is not really Mr Trump's gift to give. And the North Koreans may well extract those concessions from the Chinese. Even if they do, of course, it's not the same as a wholesale diplomatic economic embrace from the US. And that would be indeed the ultimate concession that the US could offer. Katrina, are there any other reasons why Mr Trump is treating this search for an agreement so differently to the Iran Accord? Well, many critics make the argument that Mr Trump is simply nursing a natural hostility towards Iran that is backed up by some of his chief campaign backers. Of course, the two US allies that the Trump administration has really thrown its weight behind, Israel and Saudi Arabia, 
are extremely unlikely to ever want to make the kind of embrace of Iran that South Korea clearly wants to make of North Korea. And so there's a huge difference in the regional context and America's very own conception of what these countries really are and their potential. So that's one aspect. But the other is also that no one's really tried to solve North Korea in the way that Mr. Trump is attempting to solve it. And there's a sense of this magnetizing appeal of the new. Some of the experts I've been speaking to say he simply wants to be seen as solving a problem that other people couldn't solve. So compared with the accord he tore up with Iran, how much more comprehensive do you think the deal he's seeking with North Korea will be? Well, it's a much more comprehensive effort because it's such a tougher prospect. No one in the world has ever managed to get a country to give up its nuclear weapons. And so this really is uncharted territory. It's a much, much tougher prospect. And experts really are befuddled at the notion that this might even be possible. And many think that really, ultimately, this is about de facto recognition of the North Koreans and about maintaining or limiting the risk, but not actually taking everything away. The Trump administration insists it's after this phrase it keeps using complete, verifiable and irreversible denuclearization. Now, that phrase isn't in the summit declaration. It just says complete denuclearization. Mr Pompeo, the Secretary of State, insists they're completely the same thing. But I think if they were such the same thing, we'd have seen those words in the declaration. So there's clearly a little bit more leeway and a lot further to go in terms of negotiating the overall aim never mind getting into the bits and pieces of how to get there. And from the people I speak to, they say this is a 10, 15-year job. I mean, this is so complicated to get in inspectors, to get a declaration of what North Korea actually has. In a country where things are so opaque, it's really very hard to work out what they have at the beginning to then keep verifying what they keep dismantling, if indeed they do dismantle. So it's a, it's a monumental effort to make any progress on this, and it would require an enormous deal. But of course, Mr Trump loves enormous deals and claims he can deliver them. Well, monumental is probably the word. Thanks, Katrina. And you can follow developments in both Iran and North Korea negotiations on FT.com. Also, we'd like to ask a small favour. We're rethinking our podcast strategy at the Financial Times and we're asking listeners to rate our podcasts and to tell us what you like and don't like about our shows. To contribute to our survey, follow the link in our show notes or go to ft.com forward slash podcast feedback and enter our prize draw. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. shopify.com slash work.